this episode, I speak with financial expert and founder of TNT LLC, Chris Knoll. Key points addressed were fundamental tactics employed by TNT and their work to bring clients from all industries, from various forms of debt into the black. We also discussed the education Chris and her team provide to ensure best financial practices for her clients as they move into a debt-free future. Stay tuned for my educational talk with Chris Knoll. My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciacathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Patricia and today I'm elated to be sitting down with Chris Knoll. She is the financial ex- expert and founder of TNT LLC. You can find out more on their website as well as a little bit more about Chris as I speak with her today on www.tntdynomite.com. That is tntdynomite.com. Welcome Chris. Awesome. Thanks so much Patricia. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. We were talking off the air and um, I really lo- I can't wait to unpack what you're doing. I think we have a lot of things in common and um, you've got a righteous hair color. So for everyone watching the vodcast, you're, you're getting to enjoy that. And those listening to the podcast, you should shut up the vodcast. Um, we are, so I will give you a quick roadmap for everyone listening who's perhaps new to this series. I will offer a quick roadmap as to the trajectory of which my inquiry will outline. And then I will also read a quick bio on Chris before I start peppering her with questions. A roadmap for today's podcast will follow a similar trajectory of all of those in this podcast. Namely, we'll be looking at Chris's academic and professional background prior to launching TNT Logistics, um, or sorry, TNT. And then we'll look at the logistics of TNT after we look at her past and history. We'll look into specific logistical aspects for all of you um, wonderful founders out there who care about the who, what, when, where, why, how, funding, all of those good things. And then we'll turn into the company's niche and the ethos and the philosophy behind the areas that they service. We'll then look at goals that Chris has for both herself and TNT um, if they're separate or perhaps intertwined. We'll wrap up everything with advice that Chris has for those of you who are looking to get involved with TNT or perhaps emulate some of her success. <clears throat> As promised, a quick bio on Chris. At the age of four with 20 words vocabulary, Chris was solidly in the foster care system. She graduated from high school as a valedictorian, obtained four college degrees, competitively swam, and marched in the Fresno State Bulldog Marching uh, Band. Numbers are magic to Chris, and financial freedom is her life's purpose. In Chris's free time, she volunteers at Just In Time, a nonprofit organization for foster youth aging out of the foster care system. She also maintains her really fun hair, which I mentioned and um, I think would be a part-time job if I had it. 
So Chris, before we launch into TNT and um, everything that you guys are doing over there, I'm wondering if you can draw us out a little bit more of a deeper background of your early um, academic life, personal life, um, professional life that led you to launching TNT. Ooh, that's many, many things. Um, so academically, uh, as, as you shared, I was in the foster care system and there's, um, uh, we won't go into that, but there's all of that of why we only had, I only had 20 words. So there was a lot of catch up that happens in the beginning um, and all through my academic career, probably just let go of it in the last three years of having to prove my worth and my value through academics and showing up. So I worked really, really hard. Um, still probably in about eighth grade, I was a C average student and didn't have, um, didn't have a lot of self-confidence and all of those things. And once I transferred to a very small school and a teacher took uh, pride in, in working with me, I really blossomed a lot and then moved into the honors and AP classes and um, focused a lot on showing up for myself in a really powerful way. Um, and then went to college and I just wanted to learn all the things. You get so much at college. And while I didn't really like sitting in the seats, I loved the learning behind it and I was a music major. Um, so with that, there's not a whole lot of homework that comes, just practicing. And then I took a whole bunch of other classes that ended up getting those four degrees. So on average, I would take about 26 units a semester and um, just love to learn and um, continue to do so. Love reading, love learning, love all the things at this point. So that's really the academic backgrounds of my past. It's amazing. I mean, it's it, you clearly like a really full workload. 26 units, at least back in my day. I'm old. I'm 43. But um, that was over full time. You had to get like Dean's permission to take that many units. Yep. Um, very, very cool. And uh, I don't play any musical instruments. But I did have the honor of having a roommate in college who was getting her PhD in musical theory and spoke a great deal about how um, practicing, you know, is was in w many ways for her much more arduous and painful than writing papers for other courses. So it's it's the same kind of discipline, right? Going off and practicing uh, yeah. is the same. I'm wondering, so what how, what led you into professionally? What led you into the launch of TNT? Professionally, so that's the 2008 recession that hit all of us that some of us can remember. Um, I was laid off three times in one year because of it. I was an accounting assistant or human resources assistant. Um, I just bought a house, had a baby. Um, and so um, one layoff, one termination, as, as many of us have experienced right now with what's currently going on, is painful. You can kind of get around it. You can kind of understand it because of everything that shakes down. By the third one, though, I was devastated. Like, I could not understand what I was doing wrong. Was I so unemployable? Was I just a hot mess? Like, what was I doing that made it so I couldn't hold a job? Um, and now that I'm older and wiser, I, I realize that a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses think they can hire, they hire, and then they get themselves into an, uh, in a bind. That's for later. Um, but that's what led me to launch TNT because I wasn't going to put my financial health and well-being in the hands of anybody else anymore. I wasn't going to put my emotional health in the hands of anybody else anymore. Um, and so through that, uh, launched TNT after some being on unemployment for a short while, just said, fine, I'm doing my own thing. And, and within months, had several clients and, and haven't looked back at this point. It's brave. It's kind of crazy. A lot of people take, you know, entrepreneurship is usually born out of stability. 
and a great deal of, you know, and, and it sounds like yours, your leap into that life was um, actually based out of instability. It takes a lot of bravery, even when you come from a safe place, let alone a very tenuous and insecure one that three layoffs is, is bound to induce. Um, I'm wondering, so let's get into the logistics. So if you can just say when it was founded, if you had co-founders or other subsequent founders, did you take funding and um, what was the initial push like? Was it an online presence? Did you have a brick and mortar? What was happening? Mm, okay. So in 2008, we were sole prop. Um, didn't know about the protection of being an LLC or a corporation. So we didn't incorporate till 2000. Maybe we incorporated 2008, but when we first launched, it was sole prop, business license, all of that stuff. Um, there was no investor uh, that helped us, like I said, unemployment. Um, my husband had a steady job, so I bought a computer um, and that was it. Um, and then, you know, got some certifications to make sure I was legit and, and doing the right sorts of things. So that was all the overhead we had when we launched. There was no brick and mortar. Um, our thing from the very beginning is that we went to people's businesses to help them. Um, so we didn't need a place because people, wherever we went, they had a desk for us. Um, there was, it was only me at that point. We didn't hire a first employee until two, a year and a half after I launched. Okay. And what did, when you, when you first started out and is this, this sole, like, was it based on geography? Did you do any virtual aid or was it always like approaching businesses that you could geographically get to? It was at that time that we could geographically get to because it was just me. And at that point there wasn't all these fancy Facebook, all of this stuff. Uh, we posted an ad on Craigslist and within hours got our first business. And then from there it was word of mouth. So it was everybody, I live in San Diego. So it was at that point in that time, it was just everybody in San Diego. And then we started doing remote stuff because QuickBooks Online is available um, to serve people outside of our community that just wanted bookkeeping or payroll. Now on your website the, right now, it sounds like your team ranges in um, like techniques and talents from payroll administration and shoring up um, financial goals and things like that all the way into interim CTO. Um, how has that kind of happened? Has it, did it happen with the hires and how do you focus on who does what? Is your entire team trained up to be equally um, stratified in each area or do certain people have areas of expertise that they get sent off to? Okay, so do people, are people cross-trained? Um, how did we kind of hone what we offer? Um, in the beginning, like most entrepreneurs, you cast a wide net hoping to make a few pennies. Um, and so that's what we really did. And then it cost us to work for certain business partners because um, we were doing too much. So probably, I want to say about four years ago, we really honed what we were offering, um, started doing traction EOS, um, and that's when you hit a million. It's, it's what they say is when you hit a million, this is a book you should use. Um, and that's where we started getting rid of a lot of stuff. We don't offer payroll anymore because none of our team could go on vacation because you have to be there to hit deposit so it magically lands in other people's. So we stopped doing that because our team just didn't enjoy that. Um, so how did we hone what we do is that um, through Profit First, it's another great book, um, we decided, nope, we're going to be the experts in our field on financial freedom and financial freedom alone. And what does it take to do that? And that's some people don't have QuickBooks. They're still using Excel spreadsheets um, to do their finances. So, okay, good. We'll get you legit on your how you look at your money. We'll teach you how to read reports. We'll teach you how to have a certain different mindset. 
and then the interim CFO programs, that's really a lot of businesses too can't afford um, their own accounting staff. So we'll come in between five to 10 hours a week and work with you on what your quarterly goals are, what your yearly goals are, and then map them out with you. Entrepreneurs are brilliant on coming up with a number that it takes, but they don't know the how and the why. Um, so they can't scale it, they can't teach it, they can't train it. And so that's really where we come on in the micro and teach that to their leads. So then it filters transparency all through their organization. Um, I don't know if that answered all of your questions. Oh, the last one was, do we cross train? No, we hire specific bookkeepers. If they wanna promote within the company, we'll train them how to do the other things. Um, and we're transparent with all of our numbers. So everybody knows what everybody makes. Everybody knows what everybody bills. Every, and so everybody knows what it takes to run our organization, but we couldn't have a bookkeeper come in and be an interim CFO. It's a different, it's a different skill set. Right, right. So are you a consortium of sorts? Are you using like a lot of consultancy firms on, on your back end that you bring in um, for your clients' needs? Nope, everybody who works with our, um, we call them business partners. Everybody who works with our business partners is employed by our team. Um, we, don't, we don't hire third party because we pride ourselves on the quality service that we're offering. Because when you get into numbers, it's, it's people's soul. It's like, it's, they have to unpack so much to reveal what's happening within their organization that we wanna make sure we're showing up for them in a way that they can trust and lean on day after day. Um, and so we, we really pride ourselves on, on offering people who connect with them and, and provide the support that they're looking for. Yeah, it's an amazing, um, I don't think that when people speak of financial numbers and things of that nature and people that you work with, the intimacy isn't always relayed. It feels like another business tactic like marketing or something that where you can kind of discuss it on this very callous platform. But um, it, it always d it occurs to me when I think of real estate, you know, anyone who's bought and sold a house, like the amount of information that a realtor obtains about your financial history and things like that is a little daunting from someone who was just helping you, you know, sell your house. And similarly, um, financial consultants really do have like um, more than a bird's eye view. You know, they have like your um, best friend's view into your company. And I think that um, that's kind of overlooked. Do you find, and, and that's one of my questions for today is, it seems, I would assume that you have to incorporate techniques that are beyond just regular business, best business practices in order to be sensitive to those kinds of pieces of information. A large part of your website speaks to, you know, taking clients a little bit more in duress, bringing them out of duress with this massive educational process, making them very familiar with best practices and things like that, and then actually putting them into the black or the green. Um, and in doing that, it feels like through education, there's going to be a huge conversation um, about personal practices that feel more than just business. You know, when you get into financial practices, particularly with entrepreneurs with, that have very much so mixed their own personal lives into the business, do you have techniques that you employ that you like, like help navigate some of these um, more difficult issues? Um, clarifying question here. What do you mean by techniques? I mean, um, practices that you could cite that you use that your entire team does things that you've put labels mm -hmm. to or um you know uh, there's there must be a way to broach other than just social graces talking about business practices that you know that one ought not to do when trying to sort out financial flow of money in entrepreneurship entrepreneurs frequently like 
personally invest, you need to detangle that. There's a whole bunch of like pitfalls, especially, you know, the first time entrepreneurs and things like that. Do you have a way that you implement like this is why we're going to return or not do that? Or do you kind of just go in and individualize each plan for every client? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, overall, we have a foundation we build off. So techniques would say is that kind of how you mentioned finances is a behavior, behavioral education as well as a skill education. Um, and we come in a lot of times when we interview to work with these businesses and we flat out say, um, we are going to challenge the status quo on how you look at money and how you're leading your team. Um, we're very transparent about that and it takes a lot of courage um, because kind of what I shared in a different um, conversation is that it it's easy to please people. It takes courage to serve people and we are here to serve people um, with what we do. So technique wise, that's really what we focus on is that um, we're here to serve these businesses and we're here to show up for them in a way that nobody has ever showed up for them. This is not something you get taught in college. This is unfortunately not something you get taught in high school that um, finances and how the current accounting system is set up fails entrepreneurs every time, every time. Um, because you take in your income minus your expenses and that's your profit and you can't build a business around that. So that's the huge education piece that we come in and say is that what you've been taught, it fails you for a reason and this is how and this is why. The other thing we do is something called five voices and it's one of the many assessments that you can go through like disc and color and all of that sort of thing. Um, uh, five Voices is through Giant Worldwide Communication, and it's a leadership tool that um, it's, it's all about multiplying leaders. And so our team is uh, constantly watching these videos and trainings, and we are leveling up internally, so then therefore we can go in healthy and whole to serve the people that we're about to, to work with. Um, again, we're, we're getting into the nitty gritties of their business and we have to be coming from a healthy place to make sure we can level them up too. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm wondering with the niche, like the industry, you have a lot of verbiage that speaks to being able to work with entrepreneurs, which is kind of, it tends to be a different beast in the business industry um, unto itself. But it also sounds like you guys cover a lot of different industries and um, client profiles. Can you speak to kind of the bulk of who you've worked with and who you're working with now? The bulk of who we've worked with, um, it's small businesses. So we work with anybody typically who's, we love startups. We love getting them before they have habits that we have to retrain. Um, and then we cap at businesses that make about 10 million at this point. So um, we don't care really what you offer, your services or manufacturing, um, because every business is quirky in its own little self. Um, and we learn your business inside and out. So it's, it's not, we don't stick to just um, salons or yachts or computer. We, we're broad spectrum. What we focus on is the type of human you are. And if you are actually pouring into your team that you're serving. Um, and if you are an honest human being. So entrepreneurs, there's all kinds. Um, we're looking for the ones that are hungry and humble and actively growing their team and their community. So niche, um, it doesn't really matter to us what, what service you're offering. Okay, so you span service, product, everything. 
Yeah, it does seem like it would be the same in that they all need that same information, perhaps not the same information, but the financial flow. Yeah, absolutely. You're the first person I've ever heard describe entrepreneurs as the more ideal candidate. Everyone's like, I don't want to deal with (laughs) unless entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are brilliant and they're the ones changing the world. The unemployment is so high right now because it's the small businesses that have been shut down. And um, we are really truly seeing that impact right now on how entrepreneurs change the world. So no, we are hungry for you people. (laughs) Awesome. I'm wondering um, with the COVID-19 pandemic that we're kind of, you know, speaking to and dancing around the fallout from, um, has that changed your business model at all? Have you guys have has your team sat down at TNT and just thought we need to reassess? Has it, have you gone to more online advisory? How does all of that work? We have we have been impacted um, out the gate because uh, we offer like a shared before we came into your business. We are definitely we were the human to human contact. We came into your business. Um, we loved the the connection, the vibes you get when you collaborate in person. So everything's online. Everything we do right now is online. Um, And that was a big challenge for us to switch because you have to simplify a lot of stuff when you go to teaching online. And when you talk numbers, um, our brain mindset for our whole team had to switch. Um, That you could still have that human to human connection through a screen now. And how do we still facilitate that closeness and that caring and all of that through Zoom, um, through a camera, when you're not actually like making eye contact with a person. Um, so yes, that impacted us. We did lose several contracts because their businesses shut down. So financially it impacted us. We do practice what we preach though, and we made sure we did not take PPP, we did not take EIDL, we did not take any of the grants. We touched nothing. Um, and we had to revamp what we do, how we do it. Um, and through that, we branched out. We launched another business for workshops, for leadership and that sort of stuff. Um, that's going beautifully. And then we simplified what we do. So um, yes, we were impacted. Uh, this is the time with a lot of businesses lean into their finances and get very intentional with their money. So the businesses we lost, we gained tenfold um, for people getting hungry to improve and do better and figure out how they make sure they're not, they're using their loans appropriately that they did get handed from the government. Will you stay online, do you think? Or after there is a vaccine, will you go back into half and half? How will that work? (laughs) Um, Gosh, that's an interesting conversation. Um, How will that work? I think we're going to lean into our team and how comfortable they are going back into the world. Um, We have some of our business partners that are already meeting with us in person um, and some that are like, nope, I love meeting with you. I don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to come in. It's, we can get done like boom, boom, boom. So um, it's up in the air right now and what's going to happen. I live life. I'm not going to hide behind anything. I'm not living in fear. Um, so I'm happy to accommodate whatever, whatever rolls out, basically. Nice. We have a, well, that's good because life seems to insist on it anyway, right? <laughs> I'm yes. like staying open. And then I was like, it doesn't matter because the universe would keep me that way anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, uh, we have a lot of people write in, a lot of young entrepreneurs, um, 
who listened to this uh, and in kind of its original incubator form, um, who are young female, female identified non-binary founders, entrepreneurs. And we get a lot of questions about financial advice because there's so much out there and so many different things. And I'm wondering if you can kind of just prattle off a few best practices that you would advise any young entrepreneur who's just kind of getting off the ground, like some Bible-like ideas. And do you take any inquiry if someone's listening to this today and they want to know whether or not they'd even be a viable candidate for your services, can they just reach out to you um, as well? So like the list of your top 10 greatest things that you would advise, you know, a young, um, a fellow entrepreneur in an elevator with you as well as um, your top, like, or um, whether or not you guys take on inquiries of that nature. Okay, so I probably don't have top top ten I can rattle off. Um, That's okay. I can, I, can really? give, I can give four right out the gate. Yeah. Um, so the first one would be to get your finances legit. Um, get intentional with your finances before you even launch. So that means getting QuickBooks. Um, and some of these are really awesome. They don't cost a whole lot. I think it's maybe if you're going through. Um, yourself it might be t between 10 and 20 dollars a month to get it online so it's 100 percent. like don't do it in google don't do it on excel get legit with your finances right out the gate um payroll pay yourself what you want to make don't wait until there's leftover money so always put what you want to make first as a priority pay yourself what you're worth um, the third one would be charge what you're worth a lot of us as women, um, myself included, we would go, okay, well, what's the cheapest I could charge? Because that's what I'm going to charge so I can get in the door. Nope. Show up as the expert, like be proud of what you offer, research what's around you um, and charge that. Don't, don't undermine who you are because you'll resent that long-term and then you won't be able to grow. So that would be number three, charge what you're worth. Number four is that multiplier. Um, take whatever your expenses are going to be and do a 50% markup on it. Um, to make sure you are making profit so you can grow. Can't, that's like the biggest thing to me. Multiplier, huge. Um, and I guess there's a fifth one, get a mentor. Get somebody who's been there, done that. So even if you don't take their advice, um, you know that they've been successful and they're where you wanna be because they'll keep calling you up all the time. They won't criticize you, they'll give you powerful feedback. And I think that was a game changer for me um, to get a mentor. That's the top five I could give right off the top of my head. Um, and then, yes, to get in touch with us, we talk to anybody, anywhere. It costs no money. Uh, it's free. Um, and even if all it is is a conversation to cheer you on and celebrate you and give you the support you're looking for to launch, we're happy to do that. Um, to see if you want to work with us, we're happy to do that too. Um, you can come to our website. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram and really get a feel for us to see if you want to work with us before you reach out. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that that is the case and those are your practices because I just don't believe, especially in this day and age of anyone like strongholding, consultations should always be free. Don't be crazy. Um, and, I, uh, and on that note, I want to get into your plans for the next one to three years. I know you talked a little bit about being open to saying whether or not you continue with the virtual presence versus in person, but do you have goals that you, you had prior to pandemic that you've still got? I mean, you're a money company, you know, do you do one to three year goals? How does that work out? And, um, what are, what are some of yours right now? 
one to three years. We follow EOS traction to a T. So we have our 10 years mapped out, um, our big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, yes, they're kind of scary to talk about. It's like burying my soul on this right now. Um, but we, we plan to take over the world with financial freedom. Um, there are not, I want to talk in the positives. We want to be, um, we want to launch women, women, financial freedom, women in the top hundred women being, having businesses where they have zero debt. Because to me, if you are a million dollar company and you have $500,000 worth of debt, uh, that to me is, is hard to stomach. So we want million dollar companies that have zero debt. Um, so that's really our goals to launch women and to free women and to have them be brave because their leadership styles or anybody who identifies as women wants to be fully inclusive here. Um, non-binary, um, that, that that's our big goal, empowering humans to empower humans. Um, so we want, uh, you know, as, as the leader of this company, I want to be up there with Dave Ramsey and Chris Hogan, um, Susie Orman, Rachel Cruz. Like I want to be, uh, changing the world when it comes to talking about money and how to become financially free and, and be free with your time and your money and your dreams. So that's, that's the big 10 year goal, speaking engagements, workshops, all of those sorts of things. Um, on the micro for the next one to three years, we, um, we hope to take on business partners and our goal, because I, I, I don't have a specific one, but even during the pandemic right now, we've helped almost half a million dollars worth of debt be paid off while people are, we're, we're moving into recession. So our goal is um, to tackle, um, gosh, in, in three years, help businesses pay off of 5 million. And then on the flip side, have into the savings, because we help businesses have six months of savings stored up. So have our savings uh, tracking just alongside with debt paid off because that's really where the financial freedom comes from with being able to be your own line of credit and never borrowing from the government again. Yeah. So those are our goals for team wise. We're not looking to be 500 employees or any of that. That scares the crap out of me. Um, our team is 12 right now and it's beautiful. We know everybody's name. We know everybody's story. We, we know all of our business partners by name and their children. And that's beautiful to me to grow bigger than that. That scares me. Um, so we'll just have to see if that's what happens. Um, Cause I don't know if I'm putting it out of the universe to keep us small because I want to know everybody and do all the things. Um, but that is, I love that about our business. So yeah, they always say don't grow too quickly. You know that and that's one yes. of the downfalls, but I don't think you're in jeopardy of that. Um, I'm I know that we kind of already covered this section, but we could cover it 19 times and it wouldn't be enough for me. Um, the final question I have today is um, if you are walking at a safe social distance tomorrow in Balboa Park and um, you ran across a woman who came up and said for everyone listening, Balboa Park is this beautiful park in downtown San Diego, which is why I say this. Um, and a young woman or female identified non-binary individual said, oh, Chris, I'm so glad I found you. So check it out. Um, we have a mutual friend in common. I'm getting ready to launch my own um, financial um, advisory agency. And um, I'm going to start tomorrow. And I'm really excited. I've peppered a lot of different fields. I've had um, some pretty bad luck lately. And I'm going to flip that on its head and make some good luck out of it. Um, what are the top three pieces of advice you would have for that individual with the, such a similar story as yours, knowing what you know now? three pieces of advice for someone who would want to launch a business similar to mine. Yes. Okay. 
um, would be what's your why and filter everything you do through that because um, I think that's powerful and that keeps you from taking wrong turns quite often um, and branching out into things you don't want to do but you do because they're part of the financial advisory category so that would be the big one figure out what your why is and stay true to it uh, the second one would be get a mentor <laughs> get a mentor all day long um, and a tribe that cheers you on even on your darkest days that's going to you bomb completely utterly and you 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 need these people, you need your mentor, you need your tribe. And then the third one would be, um, you are going to fail and it's going to suck and it's going to be awful. Um, it, this is what entrepreneurs do. We get right back up and we learn from that failure and we might fail it a second time, but we keep trying. So I, I think those would be my three pieces of advice. Everybody thinks entrepreneurship is sexy and it's really one failure after another that just keeps getting better. Um, so that, that would be the biggest thing after running a business for 12 years uh, that I wish someone would have told me when I launched. Yeah, those are all really good. Those are good even for like um, uh, any life goal, I think for happiness. <laughs> yes. What's your why? Identify your why and filter everything that you do through that. Get a mentor and a tribe that can support you and guide you. Um, and the third one is you will fail. It's the recovery and the retry that counts. Beautiful. Thank you for paraphrasing. Yes, yes. It's perfect because it's from you. I love that. Those are absolutely brilliant. And I really appreciate the, the original one. You know, I feel like I've heard that um, the sentiment conveyed before and it didn't hit home as well as um, the idea of identifying your why is like this kind of like, yeah, okay. But filtering everything through it really does re-examine everything you know, when you're putting it back through, like if it really is your honest why, and then asking yourself if everything has ownership to that or is answering to it is absolutely correct. It's going to streamline everything. And the work-life balance and the quality of life would go through the roof if everything was more communication. I agree. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for giving us your time today. We are out of time, but I just, um, I love talking with you and I really appreciate all of your wisdom. Yeah, thank you so much, Patricia. I loved your questions and, and your ability to cut through all of the extra words I said to get to the root of everything. So that's a gift that you have. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, and for everyone listening, I have been speaking with Chris Newell. You can find out more on her website, www.tntdynomite.com, tntdynamite.com. She's a financial expert and the founder of TNT LLC. Thank you for giving me and us your time today. And until we speak again, remember to always bet on yourself. Sunshine.